Right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. Amen. Yes, I know we got the wild, dedicated bunch tonight, don't we? Amen. It's good to see everybody that's here. Um, we're going to have a great time. This morning was our Christmas celebration service, and it was just fantastic. Who had a good time this morning at church? I did. I mean, that was a little weak, but I mean, I had a good time. So let's try it one more time. Who had a good time at church this morning? Ah, uh, yes, yes. The Lord is good. Amen. It was a wonderful morning. Lots of food, lots of presents, lots of children. And they just did an adorable job on the Christmas play. If you didn't get a chance to see the Christmas play, you could go back on and watch that online. But it was really, really awesome. I love the little sheep running on their knees. That was so funny. Anyway, all right, let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, because we're going to keep believing that we are seeing our nation come to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight, and you may be seated. All right. Well, check it out. Few things, a uh, few announcements. We are running out of December events, and I feel like we've had about 500 of them, so I'm okay, you know, to take a break this week. <laughs> but we want to let you know that we do have a photo booth set up over there. Um, we took pictures this morning and stuff, but we're going to leave it up for the next week or two. And if you want to take your own pictures with your family and friends, you can do that and uh, just have a good time with it. But that is available to you. And then uh, this week we have the Christmas Eve candlelight service is going to be six o'clock on Saturday night. So come out for that. And of course, it's a, just a really great time. It'll be a brief service, less than an hour long. But uh, come out and uh, just celebrate and worship the Lord with us together. And it'll be really great. And then also... We are going to be having service on Christmas morning. Uh, I know a lot of people may, uh, you know, a lot of churches aren't, but we're like, hey, we're going to still do it. So Sunday morning, 
10 a.m. And that will also be a brief service. You know, we're not going to be here all day long. It'll probably be about an hour long or so. But, uh, you know, if you are in town and you are around, uh, it'd be a great time to come out that morning and just sing to Jesus and hear his word. And then we will dismiss you promptly and get you right back to your family celebrations because I know everybody has got a lot of great stuff going on. There is no p.m. service next Sunday night. So everybody say that with me. No p.m. service next Sunday. All right, so there will not be any the next Sunday night, um, but we will be having it in the morning time. And also, I want to remind you that the bookstore is having 20% off of everything for the month of December. And uh, so, you know, if you're looking for a good way to get the Word of God out, right back there it is, you know, Bibles, books, and everything that you could bless somebody with to uh, get the Word of God into their hands. And uh, that would make a really great uh, gift for somebody. Amen. All right, well, I think that is all the announcements for tonight. The announcement list has dwindled all month long. So I've had like 500 to do, but just a few tonight. All right. So we're going to have Mrs. Pastor come up and do our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. Amen. It is happy time, right? <laughs> well, hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Are you, <laughs> are you full from this morning or are you ready to eat again? Ready to eat again? I know. We're, I know how it goes. Okay. If you need an, an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and one of the ushers will be more than happy to serve you. Um, today, I'm going to be looking at Psalms 96, verse 8, Amen. which is a really cool service uh, message. It says, "Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts." Isn't that cool? Bring an offering and come into yeah. His courts. So I thought that was pretty cool. So. I'm not going to be long tonight because I know we're doing good, right? Amen. Okay, so let's stand up and say our financial faith confession, and then we're going to turn this over to Pastor Dave, and I think he's he's playing Minister of Music tonight. Da-da, gave Joshua the night off, and he deserved that. Okay. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. Bring your tithes and your offerings up tonight. And then if you'd like to stay at the altar and worship the Lord, that'd be great. I want to scream it out. From every mountain top, your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout 
because you are good, you are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, and you are good to me. Amen. Is He good to us tonight? Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to you. The earth and oceans deep only reflect this truth. And in my darkest night, you shine as bright as day. Your love amazes me. And I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good And I'll dance because you are good And I'll shout because you are good You are good to me And I'll sing because you are good And I'll dance because you are good And I'll shout because you are good You are good to me And with a cry of praise my heart will proclaim you are good you are good and in the sun and rain my life celebrates you are good you are good with a cry and with a cry of praise my heart will proclaim you are good you are good in the sun and in the sun and rain my life celebrates you are good you are good I'll sing and I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good you are good to me and I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good you are good to me Amen. He is good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to enter into a little bit of worship here tonight. Amen. It's been a little while since I've led some worship for the church, but praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. darkness falls, it won't prevail, because the God I serve knows only how to triumph, no, my God will never fail, no, my God will never fail. 
I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. Cause I know how this story ends. I know how this story ends. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good Let's sing that out tonight You take You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good One more time You take You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord Let's say this one more time You take You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, it is so wonderful to have your Son as our Lord and Savior. 
no matter what we face in life, it's so wonderful to know, Jesus, you've already been there, you've already won it, you've already got the answer, and all you require of us is our life. Just say, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, for your yoke is easy and your burdens light. And Father, that's what we purpose to do. As Christians, we thank you for the faith we get from your word and for the life we get from your spirit that shows us what to do, what to say. And like you always told the disciples, fear not, for I'm with you. Lord, that's where we live. We fear not because we know you're with us. And tonight we thank you that just as we fed our physical bodies today, we're going to allow you to feed our spiritual man tonight. In Jesus' name we receive. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, man, it seems like somebody ought to hug somebody or something. We're not closed down, are we? Seems like hug or shake hands or do something, man. We're not closed down. We're not isolated. Glory to God. It sure is good to be in this good, wonderful church. Man, I'll tell you what. Out, 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 it was out in Brooklyn, New York for a month. And would you believe we had to drive through all the boroughs and drive about an hour to an hour and a half to get to a word church. Man, what a drive that was. Man, we followed the Hudson River, the East River, the Empire State Building, the World Trade Center, uh, the Trump Tower. We saw everything just to get to church, take us an hour, hour and a half to get there. But my son was raised under this kind of thing. He knows the value of the word, and he just goes where he knows you're getting fed at. So, you know, I, th- I think about that. How many here really know the value of the word yet, how valuable it is? The Word of God. And I, I think about, I'm not going long tonight, and so this isn't in my time yet. The clock's not started for the sermon. This, this is pre-sermon. This is appetizer. This is, not, this is not 45 chicken wings. As Pastor Dave said this morning, don't get 45 chicken wings. So I saw a guy back there counting them out, 43, 44. Okay, I didn't get 45. But at, at any rate, I remember back before we were pastors, we had church we went to back in Indianapolis. Uh, we got we got another Hoosier here tonight, by the way. Jeff, welcome from Indianapolis. <laughs> been here, he's been here about 25 years, he said, but uh, I know exactly where he lived at. I used to deliver that that same block when I drove a truck. But in, anyway, uh, at our church, we had about 500 members in there. We had we had a thing called a first-timers room, and where the leaders of the church would go to this little kitchen area. We had little rolls, donuts, and chocolate, coffee, or whatever, and people were there for the first time, then some of us would go back there, and we'd welcome them to the church. And so I was talking to this guy, and uh, he said, where are you from? And I said, we're living down in Paragon. He said, Paragon, that's a long ways to come to church. And I said, I'm driving to Louisville, Kentucky to be in the right church. And so it's never too far to be where God wants you to be to get the word of God that helps you. And like, you know, I've heard Pastor Dave tell the story so many times, you wouldn't have a Pastor Dave today if his parents weren't willing to go where they taught healing and they taught faith and taught things we could do because we were challenged, we had the answer. Amen, amen. So that's just a little personal thing, but I'm just thinking about tonight, Mrs. Pastor made that statement a while ago about uh, how many are ready to eat again. And tonight, that's the kind of thing we're going to be talking about. I want you to look at Luke chapter 10. You can look at verse 38. But as you're going there, I'm going to quote a verse to you to think about it. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. You're going to Luke, you're going to Luke 10 38. But in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was being tempted of the devil, 
And he answered, he answered the devil back and he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I was thinking about how the Lord's having me teach tonight. How, how many are you Christians are your serious prayers? You pray all the time. Not set up, just you pray. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. Well, Jesus said, that takes more than prayer. He said, you live by the word. And so, I like this example that I, that I heard a preacher give years ago. Just as breathing is necessary to your physical body to live, you got to breathe. If you don't breathe, you die. you got to breathe. Well, that's equivalent to prayer in the spiritual realm. Your spiritual life dries up if you don't pray. If you don't communicate with God, if you don't talk with Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, you start to dry up because you're not breathing right. How, how many of you ever had a problem, you know, maybe a serious flu or a cold or some kind of a lung respiratory issue where you're trying to breathe and you struggle for breath sometimes. Well, you know, if you take that last breath, you get to see Jesus. But we don't want to see Jesus too early. We want to go to see Jesus after we get to live a ripe old age. You've got to breathe to live. Well, also, if you're breathing good, but you starve yourself to death because you don't eat, you're not going to live. You've got to eat. Your body needs food. And so it takes two things. It takes two things to live on this earth. You've got to breathe. You've got to eat. It takes two things to grow and be a healthy Christian. You've got to pray, but you've got to feed on the Word of God. And if you quit praying, things start going the wrong direction. If you quit eating, things start going the wrong direction. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, about the value of the Word. That, that, that's something that, uh, you know, you may hear that a lot. But so many people don't know the value of the word. And I'll tell you how I can tell when somebody knows the value of the word. I've talked to a lot of Christians over the years that have moved or done different things. And, you know, they say, Pastor, can you recognize a, recommend a church in this area? You ever been there before? I say, look at things. Well, yeah, I know where you're going, man. I know there's really great churches down here. Well, they'll get on their Google and look at it. And there's another church that's a lot closer than that church. It might take a half hour to get the church recommended. But then they'll see a dead church, a religious church, that's real close to their house. And they say, no, that, that was too far away. I think, man, you don't know the value of the word yet. I'd rather drive a half hour to some place that teaches me how to pray, how to have faith for finances, for my family, for whatever I need faith for, than go to some church that has a, has a religious organ plan. And I'm not knocking those things. It just has a religious organ plan. And, uh, you know, the kind of church where the little boy walked out the door and his pastor looked at the Bible was carried out, just had the two covers, had the no pages left. He said, what is that? He said, well, that's what's left of my Bible. Well, what happened to it? He said, well, every time you say that's not for today, I just tear that page out. Why should I have that in my Bible? That's not for me. And so he said, that's all you got left? Well, you keep saying that's not for now. That's not for now. God doesn't do that today. He used to. He doesn't do it now. And so I want to go to a church that tells me that Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He still parts my Red Sea. Amen. Still get water out of the rock. And that's why we're not afraid as Christians about all the doom and gloom and the lack they talk about. Because Jesus is still the same. And Jesus told us if we ask anything in his name, he'll what? He'll do it. Ask him anything what? In his name, he'll do what? He'll do it. And so we get down the inside of us. So in Luke chapter 10, and uh, I, I, I'll tell you the title I'm going to have just to make it short, is 
called One Thing is Needful. One Thing is Needful. And so then my subtitle could have used, sometimes we get these things with so much you want to say, but here's the theme of this, how to stay away from offense and enjoy Jesus' birthday. How to stay away from offense. Has anybody noticed that one of the times of the year that can be the most joyful or the most horrible is Christmas time? Because do you think that the devil wants Christian families to celebrate Jesus' birthday and have a good time? Nick, do you? The devil doesn't want your family to have a good time. And you know, I'm, I'm so grateful. I, I look at Nick back there. He's a man of God. And, and he, he works a lot of art, does a lot of things, but always gets his family to church. But he knows John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus come for Nick's family to have and enjoy life and abundance to the full till it overflows. Not picking on Nick, just drawn to him by the Holy Ghost, talking to his heart, speaking into his life that the thief is the one that wants to wreck their house. And you've got to know that. The thief's the one that wants you to have strife in your home. The thief's the one that wants you to fight about money. Amen. To fight, fight about how many hours you're working or anything else, it's the devil. He wants to destroy your life. And there's only one way, there's only one way to overcome those things, try to hit your family. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage right here. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 said, Now it came to pass as they went, talk about he and his disciples, his ministry team, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha, now this is important, received him into her house. Received him into her house. Now I want you to hold your place and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. And I remember when I got when I got born again back in the south side of Indianapolis, kind of over by the place where Jeff came from. I, I went I went I got born again at a Pentecostal church. It was about half black people, half white people, about all wild Pentecostal people. And they used this verse and verse like this a lot. And I still remember those Pentecostal songs we sang, but this was real to them. What this verse says right here, First Corinthians six nineteen says, "What know you not that?" Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the church I went to and I got saved was called Deliverance Temple. And you know, there's, there's a lot of... Churches that have the name uh, Baptist Temple, Baptist Tabernacle, Pentecostal Temple, uh, you know, the Temple this, the Temple that. Well, let's talk about the house. And keep that in mind. He says, your body is God's house. Is that what it says? Your body is God's house. So don't go back to Luke 10, 38. And, and it says that Martha received Jesus into her house. And so I'd like to read this like this. That when a believer receives Jesus in their heart, they're welcoming him into their house. When you're born again and you invite Jesus into your heart, you're saying, Jesus, come into my house. 
I want you to live in me. And so when you become a believer, your spirit, which lives in your physical body, becomes the temple of God, God's house. And so that's the first thing we've got to do is welcome Jesus in. Because a lot of people, as a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, I stand at your door and knock. I stand at your heart's door and knock. Will you let me in? He says, I want to come in and fellowship with you. I want to sup with you. And so the number one thing for every human being that's God's perfect will is to answer the knock of God on your heart. To answer that draw of the Holy Spirit. To say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Come into my heart. Amen. And so I want you to notice then, in verse 39, uh, yeah, verse 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And so God, always remember to walk in spiritual discipline. Walk in spiritual discipline to make time to sit down with Jesus and the word of God. Mary welcomed him in. Martha welcomed him into their home. But one of them took time to go beyond just said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my teacher. I want you to teach me how to live. I want you to teach me how to enjoy life free from fear like they preach about at that church. I want you to show me how to not worry about my kids. I want you to show me what this tithing business is, how you'll take care of me as a tither if I'll just give you 10%. I want you to show me how to love people as you've loved them. I want you to show me, Jesus, how to go the extra mile. Jesus, I want you to show me how to lay hands on my baby and get him healed. Jesus, I want you to show me these things. Well, you've got to take the time to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. And so when I talk about sitting at Jesus' feet and hear his word, a lot of people think, well, I go to church. Well, I'm not talking about going to church. That's a given. If you're a serious Christian and you're really a born-again Christian, and something I still don't understand after all my years of being a Christian is how somebody can say, I'm a Christian, but never want to come to God's house. Amen. And so you know what they are? They're a weak Christian. You know, it, it doesn't take going to church to be born again. To be born again is to ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins, be your Savior. But it takes going to church to be a strong Christian. But what I preach about tonight is not going to church because people come out uh, after being here feeding, feeding their physical body half the day and then come back tonight like this, then you're a serious Christian. But there are people out here watching that maybe aren't as serious as you are. And the whole thing is, I'm going to talk tonight about taking that time to do what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6, to go to your prayer closet and close the door and pray to your Father in secret. And to pray with faith, you've got to be a person that knows how to pray the Word. And you hear the Word in church, but the only way you hide the Word in your heart is to spend time with Jesus on your own in your prayer closet. Find a quiet place on a consistent basis. And you know what, I, what I've learned now to doing this for a lot of years, that whatever you make it a law, here's what I'm going to do. Every day I'm going to sit down for one hour every morning, and this is what I'm going to do. Well, when it becomes a law, and you try to obey the law, the first time you break the law by missing two or three or four days because things didn't work out right, then the devil comes in and gets on your shoulder for his condemnation. And when condemnation comes in, it makes you feel like a loser because you didn't keep your word to God. It gets very hard to function. 
And so what I learned years and years and years ago, I've got the spiritual discipline that I do my best to have what I call long time. What's long time? That's time where I go to a quiet place. When I was driving a truck, sometimes it had to be, you know, get to some place where I just have to go to the bathroom. Had had a little Bible in my pocket. I'd just be able to go in there, sit on sit, sit on my little throne, and read the read the Bible for a while because it was quiet. If I could have five minutes with nobody around me and just me and Jesus, no matter where it was, and read His Word, I started getting strength from Jesus and build my life out. And so I've just learned over the years that this spiritual discipline is that this is my lifestyle that I consistently have quiet time with Jesus. And if it works every day, that's good. But if it doesn't work every day, just know that tomorrow I'm going to. And if things hit tomorrow and doesn't happen, say, well, glory to God, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And just stick with them. You're not condemned because you know it's your lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference. And uh, that, that's why I don't make resolutions. You know, these resolutions, man, I, I'm, going to lose, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. Well, next time I see that, uh, 15 pound loser of the game, 15. I said, man, you sure lost it, didn't you? Alex, I'm not talking about us. <laughs> but I do, I do set goals. I do set goals. I have things I want to accomplish and things I do, but they're goals. And in my journal, I write down steps of action to accomplish my goals. And so I don't, I don't do everything all at one time. I get little steps written out there. And then I'm able to check that off. I got a journal where I keep a journal. And I make, I accomplish that step. I know I'm one step closer to my goal. I just keep checking them off. And if I don't hit that goal this year, glory to God, new year coming. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Can you see what I'm saying? And so you gotta have, you gotta have the goal, the discipline, to not be so concerned about the, about the quantity of time with Jesus, but as the quality of time. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, is having that quality. Let's talk about private time with Jesus and your Bible consistently. Now, I want you to hold your place again and look at John chapter 6, verse 63. And I'll show, I'll show, I'll show you some, somewhat why that is so important, to be able to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word as a believer. Now, I'm going to say some things about this verse, this one little verse right here, that I think will light your fire. Pastor Dave, what happens uh, if the fire don't get lit? That means your wood's all wet. If this doesn't light your fire, then your wood's all wet. John 6, verse 63, uh, says, It is the spirit that quickeneth or gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It's talking about your physical body. The, the, the physical things you do, a lot of things you do in life, but they don't do anything for your spiritual growth. They don't do anything for your faith. He says the words, and I'm really going to break this last part down to you to, to show you something you may have never seen. The words that I speak unto you, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Well, we know that when we hear the Bible taught, like I'm doing tonight, that's Jesus talking to all of us, isn't it? Because this is Jesus. This is the words he's speaking, he's talking to us. But in this verse right here, Jesus is talking about the rhema word, the living word. This is the written word. This is the logos. This is the written word. We're reading the Bible right now. 
But Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, he said, the ones that I speak to you personally, Michael Cabrera. He says, one thing to hear it, but it's another thing when all of a sudden in your heart you say, oh, that's the answer. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for speaking to me. You might, you might have read the Bible for 45 minutes, an hour already, and all of a sudden, one verse jumps off the page, and all of a sudden, Mike, Michael's a, he's, he's, he's a carpenter contractor. He's really, really good. And I know he's really able to, to, I don't know what he'd say, invent things, engineer things, make things. He can customize things and make things really good. And I know that Michael's a man of prayer. And I know he does things to give you, work on your stuff, cut costs or whatever you need to make it right, but he does it right. And I know he's a, he's a praying man. And I know in those prayers, sometimes when he's reading the Bible and praying, all of a sudden he says, Oh, I see that. I see what to do now. That's how I can do that. And you know what? That's how it works in training your children. That how it wor- that's how it works in having favor with that supervisor that all of a sudden, see, but they have it out for you, try to figure out, what did I do? Well, it may be that you've done everything right and the devil doesn't like you on that job. And you need Jesus, the words that I speak unto you, Norma. You need Jesus to speak to your heart. Not just reading the Bible, but you need that rhema where that word's alive and jumps off the page. And so we know, we know that when Jesus speaks to us personally by the Holy Spirit, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. All of a sudden you realize you're standing on the Word of God for financial things. And you've been praying about tithing things. You've been tithing. You've been a tither. And you've been doing what you know to do. And man, it just seems like every day, every day, every day, you're getting pounded worse and worse in the financial arena. All of a sudden, here's something else comes up. Something else comes up, and then right when you think about got this paid off, something else breaks down. And the devil's challenged you, and he laughs at you. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've driven cars before. Well, I had to put tape over my gas gauge so I could make it from here another day back and forth to work before I could put gas in it because if I saw that E at this before they had warning lights, I saw that E, I just have to hold my breath and pray and praise Jesus all the way there, all the way back, because fear hit me all the way. And if I even thought I heard the car sputter, I thought, no, Jesus' name, we can go. And I didn't try to tip the Lord my God. Just by the time you raised all those kids and didn't have a lot of money, I had to do what I had to do to stretch it. And so I had to make it like that. But all the time doing that, I was tithing. I was making my financial faith confessions that I'm a tither, the virus rebuked, I blessed coming in, blessed all I knew to do. And then there come a point in time one day when I saw, my God has supplied all my needs according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Never fought for money again. No matter, no matter how bad it looked, the fear didn't overcome my faith. But you know why? Because the words they spoke unto me, and that's Philippians 4.19, I just quoted. All of a sudden in my heart, it wasn't my God shall supply your needs, my God has supplied my needs. And when that came into my heart, that wasn't just the words that Jesus spoke to everybody. That's the words he spoke to me. And when it was in my heart, by Jesus' stripes, my son was healed. Then by Jesus' stripes, my son jumped up and he was healed. So you see what I said about this rhema? And that doesn't happen because you're a casual church attender. That doesn't happen because you quote something uh, off, off a little 
five-minute devotional as you're going down the road, that happens because you sit at Jesus' feet and you hear his word. You come to church, then you take time to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. And you know, I learned something, I learned something a long time ago about those long times with Jesus. That's not just the asking time. You know what I found out works a whole lot better? The thinking in time. And if you can't thank him for anything else, I want to thank you, Jesus, that I'm born again. And you know, I, I just know what I do sometimes when I, when, I, when it seems really dark around me, I get my prayer closet. I say, Jesus, I want to thank you. At that time when I was 16 years old, I wasn't born again, and the police said I was dead at that drunken accident, and I was a 16-year-old drunk. They hit that guy, and they called for the coroner. They didn't have to come and get me because you brought me back. I do that sometimes. I remember when I was 16-year-old, that happened. And then when I was 19 years old, I say, Jesus, I want to thank you when I was 19 years old, and I wasn't born again, and my appendix ruptured. And they told my mom, told my wife not to expect me to make it because I had peritonitis, gangrene. I laid in the hospital for 11 days. And this was back before they had a lot of stuff they've got now. I laid there for 11 days with all those whatever was that pumped into me. I got a scar from over here over to here. I had three holes in my belly where they had to pump stuff in and drain stuff out for 11 days. Didn't think I could make it. That's something about the prayer closet. I don't just go in there and say, well, here I am again. I'm Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. In my prayer closet, I like to thank him for that. And I thank him. I thank him that before I was born again and my first marriage didn't make it, and so I got born again, I got two little girls, and I wanted Jesus to help me raise my little girls, but I come to desire for a wife. I started praying for a wife. He sent me this beautiful spiritual lady up here. Glory to God. I thank him for that. In my prayer, I thank him for those things. And what am I doing? I'm hanging out with Jesus, and by the time I just do that, whatever the doom and gloom was on me, all the stuff that looks so bad, by the time I started going down, it's not some written list. I just I get in the presence of God, I start thanking him. Jesus, I want to thank you for this wonderful church in California you sent my family to. Lord, I want to thank you for these people here in California. I want to thank you, Jesus. We're here. we got these great people, and we're changing California, this church right here, Jesus. I do those things. I thank you for those things. And you know what? By the time I get through doing that for a little while like that, and then I get to looking at my Bible, everything jumps off at me. All of a sudden, it's like, man, Jesus is sitting right here with me, and I'm just hanging out with Jesus. Can you see what I'm saying? And what am I doing? I'm teaching you how to be a person that knows how to fellowship with Jesus. And you know what? When you get filled up with Jesus, nobody can offend you. How many times did Jesus get offended? You can't find any times he got offended. How many times did he get upset? He did get a little bit upset sometimes. You know who he got upset with? He didn't get upset with sinners. He got upset with religious people. That's trying to lord it over people and tell them how to live, but they didn't live it. They, he called them hypocrites. He, call, he called them, you know, in modern times what they would be? Double agents. They lived one thing in the church, but another thing out there. I guess you call them politicians. <laughs> Amen. And so he said, the words I speak to their spirit, their life. And so we need to take the time for Jesus 
to speak to us. Now look at this one more time. I want you to see this. I believe in Jesus' name. This is going to jump off the page into some of you. He said, the words that I speak unto you. The words that I speak unto you. The words that I speak unto you. All of a sudden, faith jumps in your heart. Faith jumps in your heart that I've got favor for this job interview. I've got favor, and they might, and there might be a thousand people ahead of me, but God's going to make me number one, be 199 people behind me, because I've got the favor of God. Amen. Isn't that Romans 8:31 that if God be for you, who can be against you? Isaiah 54:17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And you know, back back in my trucking days, I was telling Jeff a while ago that I was in trucking out there in Indiana for 28 years. That, that's quite a while, wasn't it? Did a lot of trucking days back there. But but you know what I always found out back back in the back in the actually the early 70s. You know how many here? How many were driving trucks back in the 70s? <laughs> oh, I was the only one. <laughs> anyway, back in the 70s, uh, I was a teamster truck driver. They had a thing called deregulation came in where it changed the whole trucking industry. And really good trucking companies that paid good, that had good benefits, started started going bankrupt one after another because all of a sudden the market was flooded with new companies. Anybody that, that said, that said I'm a truck, well, you know, did this, I'm a something else, but they said, I identify as a truck. So they could, they could haul freight. So anyway, trucking companies back in those days were going down just bam, 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 bam. My particular company had been in business since 1927. And, the, and they went under, but lots of them did. Well, as a believer then, when I got born again in 1980, I learned how this thing worked in the faith arena. Every time one went down, I said, glory to God, God's got a better job for me. And they, Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting ready to get promoted again. Man, sometimes I got promoted two or three times in one year. <laughs> but you know what? It wasn't doom and gloom. Because Jesus spoke to my heart as a tither. I remember, I remember the trucking company I was at when I got saved. I started learning about this here. And uh, they started laying people off with his head towards their last days. And I, I was number 12 on the seniority list. And it, it started way up in the 20s. We had like 30 people or something. started going down, down, down. And they said, well, you'll be next. You'll be next. I said, nope. I said, I'm a tither. I can't get laid off. I said, God rebukes the devourer for me. And so it got down to number 12. And guess what? It stayed at number 12 for about a year. And then, then they decided to consolidate some things, and we doubled. <coughs> we ended up with 40 or 50 men in that company there, but guess what? Number 12 wasn't just number 12 on the bottom. Number 12 was at the top. Because I got a hold of how this faith works. I spent time with Jesus, and he let me know the windows of heaven are open. I'm rebuking the devourer. Do a better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. Get a hold of this. That's why we spend time with Jesus. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. Now look at Psalms 119, verse 165. Psalms 119, verse 165. I want to stay on, on, on the theme for what Jesus wants to show us tonight. Because we need this as believers. Does anybody know what our mission statement says? What we want to accomplish in this church? What our mission is... What our, what our heart's desire of the church is to equip God's people, God's families for a victorious Christian living. For a victorious Christian living. And so one thing as Christians we gotta do, we gotta recognize, we gotta recognize the enemy. 
and the tactics of the enemy. We've got to recognize how he operates and what he does. And while I look at the soldiers back here, look at you two soldiers sitting right there together, our little lovebird soldiers. <laughs> Talk about you, Jesus. Talk about you. And, you know, I, I, ne- I never was in the government military. I've always been in God's military. But I know, I'm very sure that before you went overseas, they, they told you something about the enemy. They told you where he'd hide out, what he'd do, what his tricks are, what his lies were, what he'd try to do to get you, because you had to know about it. And then when you got there, you had a choice. You'd either roll over and play dead, and say, man, I'm equipped, I got all this equipment, I got these people with me, we're together, we're going out, and we're going to kick some. That's what we're going to do. Is that the kind of stuff they teach you? That's what we're going to do. Well, as Christians, guess what? We know who the enemy is. Is that ugly woman I'm married? No, it's not. Is that lazy, good-nothing man? No, it's not. It's my supervisor. No, it's not. The enemy is the devil. Lots of verses tell us that. And we're the ones, we're the ones in God's army, we are equipped to know what to do to take him out. And what we don't do is put our head under the covers, put the pillow over our head, and hide and think, I'll sleep all day, and I'll just wait till tomorrow. And they think, man, I just, I, I, oh, I wish it was night. And you go to bed at nighttime, and all you lay there is, oh, I wish it was day. Oh, I wish it was night. Oh, I wish it was day. Quit the wishing. Let's get into faith. Psalms 119, verse 165. Look at this. Great peace have they which love thy law. That's the word of God. Great peace. Great peace. You know what happens when you got great peace? You go to bed at nighttime. You leave your problems way over there. You go to sleep. And while you're sleeping, I know for me, because I've learned this a long time ago, I usually get the answers to everything I'm dealing with while I'm sleeping. I'll be laying down there, and all of a sudden, I'll realize, wow, I can't wait to get up so I can do that. And you got the job done. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, no thing, nothing, nothing, no thing shall offend them. The ones that love thy law. And so we're talking about in, 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 our, in God's military, our number one thing to quit becoming offended and everybody in our family and everybody on the job. And, you know, sometimes sometimes I was talking about somebody the other day. I, I can't remember what it was about. You know, we've, we, we've, we've learned this thing in the ministry. Somebody comes into you and they got a great big testimony. They got this wonderful job. I knew this guy back in Indiana. Man, this guy got a wonderful job about twice a month. Well, I thought you just got one. Well, I got another one now. And everywhere he went, he ended up with a mean boss and the people didn't like him. Man kept on here. That everywhere he went, they'd come back into church all grinning again. God, can I give a test, boy? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, I got a new job this week. I thought, man, you got two new jobs last week. But he always, but you know what the common denominator was everywhere he went? He showed up. When he showed up, trouble showed up. So we was talking about somebody a while back. I said, you know what, this job they got right now, it's a really good job. Just tell them, don't look in the mirror and find out that they're there. Because as soon as you look in the mirror and find out that you're there, and you know where the trouble came from, there's trouble again. They get offended. Get offended. Everything offends them. And, you know, the Word of God tells us the answer. 
He says, great peace have they which love thy law. And to love the word of God is not just reading your Bible. James 1.22 says, be doers. Do what it says. If the Bible says forgive, you forgive. Or you're going to have offense. If the Bible says turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, cut some slack. Or you're going to have offense. And you know, you got to realize someday that everybody's not perfect like you think you are. You know, I, I'm just thinking about the older I get, the more I'm realizing that maybe sometimes older people don't do things exactly like you'd like them. I'm not saying this about myself, but some people, when they've done things for a long time, they don't, under, they don't understand you modern people. And I remember my grandma would tell us about what she used to date. It was a horse and buggy because my grandma was born in 1900. And the first time somebody had a car where she lived at in southern Indiana, a guy got one of those, you know, you've seen the picture of the old cars. She said it was 1910. The guy, one guy in that little town got a car, and he, they called it the town square back in Indiana. They got town squares. I don't know why they call it square. They're always round. But anyway, <laughs> the town square, and he'd come in there, and people give him a dime, and they get to make one lap around his little car like that. And so, you know, we're talking about people. People see different things, and so you got to cut slack with older people. But you don't understand them because they've seen some things you never saw. I think about some of the old people I knew. I know the oldest person I ever know, I've hit bunny trails, but you know, when you get older, you hit bunny trails, cut some slack. <laughs> but, uh, my, my, the oldest person I ever know was my great great uncle and aunt, and they were born right after the Civil War. They got married in 1900. They were born in the 1880s, and they were actually, they'd actually been around that long. He, he, he was around. But he was too old to fight World War One. But he was a patriot, and in World War Two, he'd been retired for a while. He went to got, he went and got a job in Indianapolis just because he loved his country because the guys were gone at, at that older age. But I, I, I remember those older people. I'm thinking, man, they they would be so amazed. Well, if they're in heaven now, so I mean they wouldn't be. But if they were here, people from that generation would be so amazed what they see today. And so we got to, we got to realize that we have got to cut slack to other people. And then the older people have got to recognize these younger people know everything. They don't realize yet that they know everything. We know nothing. And so we got to cut them some slack till they get knocked around a little bit. And they get, they get, they get beat up in life a little bit. They come to us and say, Grandpa, I want to ask you something. What did you do for safe sex back in your day? And I go, a wedding ring. <laughs> so Psalms 119 verse 165. You know, another way I like to say this is this. So little peace have they that ignore the word and everything offends them. If you have great peace because you love the word, that means you have little peace if you don't love the word. And again, I'm not talking about just reading your Bible. I'm talking about having time with Jesus where Jesus can speak to you. And so high word level will give you a low offense level. A low word level will give you a high offense level. And so at Christmas time, I'm talking about Christmas right now, Jesus' birthday. If you are noticing that you're snappy, you jump up real fast, you just jump down somebody's throat, and your kids are irritating you, 
your loved ones are irritating you, and you're irritated at everything, it might be time to take a check up from the neck up and say, what's my word level? You know, sometimes your car, if your car doesn't seem right, you got to check the oil. Temperature gauge running high, you got to check the fluids and make sure what you've got. If your offense level is starting to be, you think, man, you know, that's not right. Why did I do that? Why am I keep on doing that? Check your word level. And so I want to go back then to Luke chapter 10. Go back to Luke chapter 10. And verse 39 says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But verse 40 then says, but Martha was covered about much serving. And Amplified Bible says, Martha was overoccupied and too busy and was distracted. Occupied, too busy and distracted. And you know, at Christmas time, I want to, I want to say it again, just to get this, because I've always been such a, Glutton for the word. I mean, I've really been, I have picked out on the word pretty much all my Christian life. I mean, I have a word buffet I have for 43 years. That's, that's my life is the word of God. But there's sometimes, there's sometimes when you got to recognize it's not the quantity, it's the quality. At a Christmas time, especially, especially if you're a woman that has a husband like me, that's not really a great homemaker. But I'm, I'm a good provider spiritually, and other ways. But anyway, if, especially the women, the women folk, you've got to recognize out of all that busy schedule, if you can find a way. And I know, you know, it seems like my kids are like we are. They're becoming big producers of children. We had eight, and some of our children are in different parts of the country are kind of catching up with us sometimes. But anyway, I know when you have a lot of children around and other things going on. You've got to take the time out of your overoccupied and busy, distracted schedule and sit down at Jesus' feet. If it's five or ten minutes of just peaceful time, going hiding out in the bathroom for a while, lock the rest away. Watch out, we're on TV. Find, find some place for them to be quiet and do something to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. You understand what I'm saying? That's where your peace is going to cut. You've got to make time. And, and, well, we'll keep on looking at this. And and she was distracted. And then notice the next verse, next part of this verse. It says, uh, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her, therefore, that she helped me. And so when you begin to get offended because of low word level, the first thing you want to do is complain to Jesus. Well, how come Ernest gets to do it then? Well, why you say something to Ernest? I need help. Tell Ernest. That's the first thing you do. You start whining about other people. You become more concerned about what somebody else is doing or what they're not doing. You come whining to Jesus. Has anybody here ever whined to Jesus? Just be honest. Have you ever whined? That's, that's what Martha was doing. She welcomed him in and they started whining about her sister. And so then, verse 41, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're right. I don't know what's the matter with your lazy sister. I've I, I, I tried to get her attention. Martha, tell her, tell, go, go, go tell Mary 
that, 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 that she's harder than thou and that she needs to do something else. No, he said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And the Amplified Bible says here, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But notice verse 42. This is where I got my title at. But one thing is needful. He said, one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen. She made a choice, that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You get the word of God in your heart, working in your life. You could, you know, a, a good example. How many here, and I don't set people up, how many here have Jesus in their heart because you made the choice, Jesus, I choose to receive you. Hold up your hand if you have. You've chosen to receive Jesus. Okay, let me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this. Is that real enough to you that if you were threatened with death or imprisonment to give up Jesus as your Savior, you would do it? Or is that real to you? You'd say, no, whatever you're going to do, you're going to have to do it because Jesus is real to me. I'll never turn my back on him. Guess what? That'll not be stolen from you because you received that John 6, 63, those words were spoken unto you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to get to heaven. You must be born again. That's real to you. Well, guess what? But it gets real to you that my God supplies all of my needs that can't be stolen from you. But it gets real to you that love never fails. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Then you never, you're never a person of hate again. And so that's what I'm saying. Jesus said, one thing is needful. She made the choice. And so when you make the choice in your life, you're going to be a person that has a consistent life. I want to say again, you don't have a lawful life. You've made a law. Every day, I'm going to have an R of the word. Every day is what I'm going to do. But you've got a lifestyle life where you've said, in my lifestyle, I'm not going to get very far away from my time with Jesus. And I've learned in life with family and kids, Sometimes you do, man, you hit a time where, man, boss got us working four hours extra a day, and then we just barely got time to get there and get back. i tell you what, in my times like that, man, every little point in between time, man, if I could hit a bathroom or someplace and pull out my Bible and read it, I did that. I did everything I could to keep my lifestyle consistent. And so for Christmas time, we're almost there right now. But just remember this. <clears throat> you don't have to cook cookies for everybody. You don't have to go to every party. You don't have to entertain 15 different people a week and all the time constantly cleaning the house and doing all those things. If you take care of the first part first and make sure that you keep your faith life together with Jesus, then he'll show you what parties to go to, who to entertain, how many cookies to make, and what to do with your life. And it'll be so great to not be offended and have the peace of God in your home. And when you say, when you say to everybody else, Merry Christmas, you can, with a clean conscience, know it's a Merry Christmas because you can tell that to the people in your house. It's wrong to love everybody except your own family. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Time to say amen. Okay. Well, let's stand up. (coughs) Did that help anybody? Amen. Amen. I tell you what, this is real. This is real. And one other, one other thing, one other thing the Holy Ghost gave me when he gave this sermon to me the other day. Have you ever sang that song, Tis the season to be jolly? La, 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 la. 
I, I kind of think the Holy Spirit could inspire those words, something like that, don't you? Isn't that, amen? Uh, to be jolly. Well, guess what? Satan's version is, tis the season to have strife. And so I'm not going to let Satan's song come into my house. No offenses, no strife in my house. We're going to have jolly because we make the right choice. Amen, amen, amen. Well, the original Mrs. Pastor right up here with me. And we get to pray for you like the good old days. So if you need prayer for you, they come up here. We'll be glad to pray for you and glad to help you. <clears throat> and, you know, don't ever be afraid to come up for prayer what people think about you. I know when I, when I was sitting on your side, you, you guys do understand that, don't you? Pastor started off being out there where you're at. We used to be the ones out there and somebody else was up here. I remember it seemed like every time that I really knew I need to be up there for prayer, I would just kind of sit there thinking, what's people going to think? What's people going to think? I finally got over it and realized I didn't care what people thought. If I needed help, I knew this was my time because it would be a few days before I got back again. I didn't want to go out there and get chewed on by the devil again. I wanted help now before I went back out. So if you need help, come up here and we'll pray for you. falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail no my God will never fail and I'm gonna see your victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord You take you take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, we'll close out there. 
with our uh, Barstow Confession in just a second. But I just, I just want to just really encourage you. If you've been one of those Christians that beat yourself over the head because you don't think you read your Bible enough, stop. Stop. Fellowship with Jesus with your Bible, and you'll have that fellowship with him through the word, which is the most important thing there is. And I'll tell you what, one word from Jesus is far more valuable than checking off that you read the whole Bible this year. Just let Jesus speak to your heart from his word. And if one passage becomes real to you that never was before, and you live that passage out, then you've succeeded. And you're going to have that great peace. Amen? Amen. Well, let's raise our hands. We'll pray that we'll do that confession. Father, we want to thank you for how real you are. And Lord, you told us when you were on earth that you came for us to have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full, to it overflows. And that's what we want to do in our lives, Lord. We want to let our light shine this Christmas so that all men will see your works in our lives and give you glory. We just want to thank you, Lord. We're going to be Christians that make you proud because people are going to see you living through us and being a blessing to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's do this confession. Are we ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Schools are blessed, are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospered. Barstow is safe. Barstow is is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.